says, Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to the Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. And by this time, Pilate had been, he realized he'd been manipulated, he was cornered, and he had to acquiesce to their request. And he wasn't very happy with them. And so, tongue-in-cheek, he wrote on there, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, which is a very messianic title. All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. According to Roman custom, the one to be crucified had his crime written out and the title hung around his neck as he carried his cross to the place of death. Then the title was placed at the top of the cross so all would know the reason for the crucifixion. Pilate wrote the name of Jesus, the same name by which he was identified and arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He also wrote what was said to be the crime of Jesus, that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. The religious leaders objected to Pilate's title, but Pilate finally found the courage to stand up to the Jewish rulers, but on a relatively unimportant matter. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of priests, who bring glad tidings of good things. From Isaiah 52, verse 7. It is written, right? But I say to you, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the, of the world. Here he's quoting from Psalm 19, verse 19. Now he says, but I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation, and I'll move you to anger by a foolish nation. Deuteronomy 32, verse 21. But Israel, to Israel he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Again, quoting from Isaiah 65, verse 2. Notice the importance that the Apostle Paul holds on the Word of God. Quoting often from the Old Testament. Just like John now is telling us, these things happen because it was written. Because it was written. Even Jesus, when he was tempted of the devil after his baptism, he didn't respond to Satan with what was happening on CNN or on Fox News. He wasn't quoting Anthony Fauci. Or another person, another pastor even, on YouTube. He quoted from Deuteronomy. Specifically. All, all, all those times that the Satan, he quoted scripture. And Matthew and Mark in their gospel account record Jesus from the cross pointing everyone to the scripture. And is this a coincidence? You recall in Matthew 27, it's not recorded for us here in this gospel, but in Matthew it is. It says, About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew why he was forsaken, but let me suggest to you that because he had never experienced that before, that, that was probably the hardest thing. 
more so than even the blows and the bloody mess that he was, I believe that that part was the part that really seared him, was the fact that God the Father looked down upon his son, whom he had placed the sin of the whole world on, and the Bible says that God looked away from him. He basically forsook his son on the cross and looked away for a a season. And that, folks, is, I believe, the blow, (laughs) the stripe that God put upon his son. I believe that is what the most important part of our salvation was what happened that nobody could see. Many people have been crucified, but Jesus had the sin of the world and he paid the price complete and full. That's why he said, it is finished. To tell us day I, it is paid in full. But was this any coincidence that he said this? I don't think it is. Because we also know that in Psalm 22, uh, it starts off the psalm in that very same phrase. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, was Jesus just saying this? I believe it was a genuine cry from his heart, but I believe he was also pointing people to the cross, pointing people back to David's psalm. Why are you so far from helping me and from my words and my groanings? David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, continues to write the words in the rest of Psalm 22 as if Jesus is speaking them in the first person on the cross. It's quite amazing, actually. David, yes, David. In Psalm 22, verse 6, what does it tell us? But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head. He's, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delighted in him. Weren't those the very things that people said as they sneered upon Jesus and the cross? That's exactly what happened. And why is that? Were they following a script? Were they, did they read Psalm 22 before that day? They didn't even know that Jesus was going to be crucified. Were they following some kind of script? Oh, we've got to say this now so that the scripture could... No, it wasn't that at all. It just happened, and God knew that it was going to happen. A long time before it happened, he could write it down and say, this is what's going to happen. And nobody's going to be following a play. Nobody is following a script. This is just man on his own, making his own decisions. And again, God just has the wonderful advantage of knowing You read Psalm 139, it talks about God knows our very thoughts before we think them. The words that we speak, before we speak them, he already knows what they are. And yet, he loves you. Think about that. See, you and I, if I knew that I was going to, you know, if God you know, knows me and he knows you and he knows how awful I was before I came to Christ, if I had that foreknowledge of me, I would say, I would have flushed me down the toilet. I would have cast me into outer darkness. Are you that ungrateful, Mr. Kellogg, that after all that I've already done for you, that you were going to blaspheme my name and, and continue in your wretched sin? All of that? Well, I'm done with you. See, that's the natural man. But God says, oh, no. I've got a plan for your life. I know what's going to happen, Rob, and you don't even know it. You're not even aware of it, but I'm going to bring people into your life. You're going to get radically saved, and ultimately one day you're going to be a pastor (laughs) and a worshiper. I had no idea. There's no way I could have made that happen. And your, your story is the same. Your story is the same. 
And he goes on in Psalm 22 and verse 12, Many bulls have surrounded me, many strong bulls have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. And I think of what's happening in the invisible realm as Satan and the hordes of hell were all around. And the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I'm I'm sure it was happening. That while he hung on that cross and while he was going through his agony, Satan and the demons were just all around and Jesus was aware of them. And that's why I believe that David here prophesying, many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaves to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. And for dogs or unclean people have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Underline that. Because that's not the way the Jews killed people or for capital punishment. They stoned them. And by the way, crucifixion wasn't invented by the Jews. It was invented, we believe, by the Persians. And then the Romans mastered the art of crucifixion. They were masters at it. They were cruel. But a thousand years before, the prophets tell us, The prophet David, yes. King David was also a prophet. And how encouraging this would be for those who understood this at that time. They could go to the Psalms because Jesus was telling them, My God, my God, why has you forsaken me? And any one of those Jews standing there, having been in the synagogue since they were just an infant, would recognize that's the first line in Psalm 22. They would have all gone back and read it and gone, How did we miss this? How did we miss this? It was foretold in David's time. David wrote this. And see, this is the message this morning. Stay focused on the word of God and spend a great deal more time in it than anything else. The word of God will give you peace and comfort. The news, the mainstream media, and YouTube will not, but they'll rather produce fear and doubt in you. The word of God will stabilize you, but the media and the news will sensationalize events and they will manipulate you. The word of God will bring you closer to God, but the media and uh, all of that will get you to focus on humanistic solutions rather than what God can do and will do. Focus on Jesus and the word of God. Amen? Let's look at the first verse. Notice in, in verse 17, excuse me. So he, bearing his cross, went out to the place called Uh, the place of the skull called Golgotha. And uh, remember uh, that Jesus um, bore his cross at some point, but then had to have uh, Simon, the Cyrenian, continue to bear it. But the word skull here is a Greek word called cranian, where we get cranium, which is where we get the word skull or calvary. It's the same thing. And Golgotha, this is also the name of the place, the place of a skull, it's, it's, it's an Aramaic, and that's exactly, it's the place where this event occurred. And Calvary, uh, the Latin is Calvaria, or skull, it means the same thing as Golgotha. Here's a picture of Golgotha back in 1900, and you'll notice that uh, right there in the, the center to the left, you'll see the... Um, Right here, you can see the, the skull figure. And that was back in 1900. And where Jesus was ultimately laid to rest 
was somewhere over here in a garden to the left of that. And notice this road down here underneath. This was a main thoroughway, thoroughfare through uh, Jerusalem. And that's where, and we believe that Jesus was actually crucified, probably down here in this area somewhere where everybody could see it. Everybody could see it. And so we'll see, you know, this... Um, We'll see that there, <laughs> the, what it looks like, the skull. And the Romans would want this to be a spectacle. So as we look at this and we see that road, they would want everybody to see this is what happens when you come against Rome. We're going to crucify, and they put them up where everybody could see driving by. Because these roads, this road that you see here, had been there for a very long time. In fact, there, there's a, there's a, um, uh, they, they turned this into a bus station actually today. You can actually go there, and there's a bus station right there. But all these ancient roads are now paved. They were good for a reason because they cut through the mountains. They, everybody figured that out and they finally just started making, everybody started being on these roads and finally one day they're like, you know what, we, we better just pave this road. And so today they're paved. The road going from Jericho all the way up to Jerusalem is now paved. But many, 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 many years ago, it was unpaved. It was just a dirt road. And based on the number of facts, we, we don't believe that Jesus was crucified at the place where uh, some people believe he was crucified in this uh, traditional tomb over the uh, Church of the Holy Sepulchre over here, where we believe he was crucified was over here. And we don't have time to really go into all that, but Gordon's Calvary is the one that you saw the picture of. So many different things uh, prove that that was the place, and I believe with all my heart that that is the place where he was crucified. But notice in verse 18 back in our text, So there they crucified him, and two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus being in the center. And even this, even the fact that he was crucified between these two men, fulfilled scripture in Isaiah, going back 700 years before Christ was born. Notice, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. That's what Jesus was. He was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He was there between two robbers that deserved to be there. He was the only one who did not deserve to be there. So Pilate, verse 19, wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And you remember... That this, uh, this piece that he would write uh, on would be called the, uh, the titulus, which is basically uh, the things that were held against him, his charges. When they would put, uh, and you can see it in the slide before here, that they would put that right above where Jesus would be hanging. And those were what condemned him. This is why he was crucified. And I find it interesting when we look at the hatred of the Jews, it says, Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to the Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. And by this time, Pilate had been, he realized he'd been manipulated, he was cornered, and he had to acquiesce to their request. And he wasn't very happy with them. 
And so, tongue-in-cheek, he wrote on there, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, which is a very messianic title. And they knew that. And they're like, you know, and their hatred was so great that, I mean, they got everything they wanted. They got the false trial. They got the false arrest. They got the whole thing. They got him finally to crucify him. And now that he's dying on the cross, they're like, no, we want, we want something more. Don't, don't say that he was the, the king of the Jews, but that he said that he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate says, what I've written, I've written. And I bet at that point he's just like, you know what, I'm out of here. These people are driving me crazy. Driving me crazy. And Pilate answered, what I have written is what I have written. Hmm. In Luke chapter 23, verse 39, it's only recorded in, um, in Luke's gospel. Something interesting, you won't find it in this gospel. But again, remember the Gospels are, uh, when, you, when you take the, all four Gospels and you put them together and you put them in a sequence, and people have done that, a harmony of the Gospels is what it is. And it's really interesting to see how these things just, as you start putting these Gospel accounts together, you get a big, the big picture of what happened and when it happened and the chronology of what happened. And it's really interesting to do that because one of the things that happened, and I say this to encourage you this morning, because Luke is the only one who mentioned this in Luke 23, verse 30. He says, then one of the criminals who are hanging blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the others answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, notice this, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This man is in heaven. The other one, no. But this man is in glory. They call this an 11th hour conversion. That man, when he was put on the cross, he was destined for hell. And somewhere on that cross, as he has observed all these things, and Jesus' demeanor, and everything that he's doing, He came to realize, you know what, this is the Son of God. And on that cross, as he hung between heaven and earth, ready to go to hell, he gave his heart to Christ. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. That should encourage you because here's the deal. Many of us, we don't, you know, you may have lived a whole life. Maybe you're 70 years old and you've lived a life of debauchery and sin and, you, and you're like, well, it's too late for me. Hey, listen, it's never too late. This guy, another few, another hour or so, and he was going to hell. But he gave his heart to Christ. It is never too late. As long as you have breath in your lungs and a will and a, a desire to make a change and, and, and choose him, it's not ever too late. It doesn't matter what you've done either. You could be a serial killer. You could be a, 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 a whatever it is, the, the most horrible things that man can do. You could have done all those things and God would say, I still accept you if you will come to me. This man came to Jesus at the 11th hour, probably 11.59. 11.59. He came to him. So then, the, verse 23, the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his garments, made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic, which was sewn in one large piece. And so they tore the outside of his garment, the cloak that he had, they ripped that into four pieces, or tore it into four pieces, and they distributed it to each of the quaternions. 
But the, the, the seam, the, the, the cloth that he had wrapping his whole body from top to bottom, up here down to, the, to his feet, that was all one thing. And so they cast lots for it. They cast lots for it. That the scripture, notice, might be fulfilled. They divided my garments among them, and my, for my clothing they cast lots. Where did that come from? Well, it came from Psalm 22. And even in Matthew's gospel, Matthew refers to David as a prophet. In this same area of the scripture, the parallel account of this crucifixion, it says they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that I might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. Speaking of David, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothes they cast lots. David the prophet, David the king. But notice now in verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, who we believe is Salome. You remember Salome? Salome was the mother of James and John, the two brothers, the two fishermen, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. Salome was the mother of those two men. That means that Jesus' first cousins were James and John, the apostle John and his brother James. And even John the Baptist was his cousin as well because he was the son of Elizabeth. All these people are related. And yet, knowing Jesus, they were the ones to say they knew Jesus more than anybody else. They grew up with him. And at one point, John the Baptist, he gave his heart to Christ, obviously. James and John, having, gone, having been around him at some point all of his life, said this truly is him, and we're following him. And even his own brothers, after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, his own brothers, Jude And James, they came to faith as well in Christ. And they wrote the letters that we have in our Bible, Jude and James in the New Testament. They too, think of the veracity of that. Think of what that means. If my brother was to say, Rob, you know, if I I was to claim to be God, which I would never do, not a good idea. And my brother could come to say, you're not God because you've been very imperfect. Do you remember when you did this? Do you remember when you did that? And I'm like, ooh, I guess I'm not all that, am I? My brother could come to my, uh, to, to my side and say, no, you're not who you claim to be. But all of these men said, we know who he is, and we've never seen any unrighteousness in him. He never disobeyed mom and dad. He never did you know, evil things, and they recognized that. And notice, and when Jesus therefore saw his mother, so um, his sister's mother was there, uh, um, Mary herself, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Wow, what a lot of Marys. Think if somebody asked her name, four of them would go, Hello? Hey, Mary, what? And all four of them would turn their head. But when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom Jesus loved, who is that? It's John. He says, Behold, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he was looking at John. He says, woman, behold your son, John. And then he looked at John and he says, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. And Jesus was responsible for his mother's care because he was the oldest in the family. It was his responsibility. And I find it very interesting, Jesus, as the good shepherd, even while he's in agony, even moments before he would give up the ghost, he is always thinking about others. He's not even considering his own self 
and, and going through the horrible torture that he was going through. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.